0: Yes, today is one of the best drummers in the world, he is known for his work with Porcupine Tree and King Crimson and he now has a new solo album out, a big band, if you will, a version of Porcupine Tree songs called Cheating the Polygraph. I'd like to welcome Gavin Harrison to the show. Gavin, how you doing, man? Yeah,
1: good. Very good.
0: So, uh, what are we, about five hours difference? Are you in London, I guess?
1: Yeah, it's half past nine in the evening. Okay,
0: well, sorry to take up your evening.
1: I really appreciate it, man.
0: So you have the new album out called Cheating the Polygraph, which I definitely want to get to. But uh, I wanted to know what's been going on for you this past week since the album came out and and what are you up to now?
1: Well, you know, I've been working at home. I'm working on some other projects at the moment and I'm getting ready for you know more rehearsals with King Crimson there never seems to be five minutes of peace
0: <laughs> yeah well I wanted to talk about that I mean you're one of the busiest musicians around I always knew you did a lot of session work but I was looking over some stuff you've done on the internet and it's like hundreds of different things so uh, how do you keep track of everything you're doing and, and everything you've done
1: well everything I've done is on the <laughs> internet <laughs> on my website but um, you know it might appear that way but yeah there's there's definitely lots of times where I'm not working at least working on projects or let's say earning money but every day is a work day for me in terms of practicing the drums and you know creating new musical ideas shall we say yeah yeah there's there's some years where I do a lot of albums there's some years where I do just one or two you know Uh, depends what the projects are or if I want to be involved in them or how complex the, or time-consuming the tours are, you know. Uh, with King Crimson, I'm going to be busy for probably best part of six months this year.
0: Wow, and uh, those gigs must be a blast. I mean, um, uh, are you guys playing everything from from the catalog? Is that sort of open to to what you guys are doing?
1: Yeah, we choose from you know right from the first record, right up till um, whatever the last one was. Jack, Jick, Fripp, and Collins is probably, although it wasn't, um, you know, a King Crimson album. That was the last record that um, we actually play some material from.
0: Oh, very cool! You've become a, a very well-known drummer. I mean, that's not something that happens to a lot of drummers necessarily, especially when they do, you know, this kind of music. There's there's sort of kind of a handful that are sort of household names, and I think you've you've fallen in there. Are you surprised by that? Is that what you, what you thought it would be when you started drumming all those years ago? Because drummers um, often are in the back, you know what I mean?
1: Well, I never wanted to be famous or become <laughs> a household name. Uh, I just wanted to make good music with good musicians. Yeah. It's not something I've actively tried to pursue. Um, you know, I certainly could easily live without the idea of being famous, <laughs> Is that it really wasn't um, a motivation for me.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm sure some people play their instruments because they thought it was a good way to meet girls or or some other inspiration, but for me it was just about playing music. If I've become well-known or well-thought-of, in the meantime, that's just a, a by-product of, you know, what I've been doing musically.
2: Yeah.
1: It wasn't something I was... You know, I didn't declare age 10 i want to be a famous drummer right i didn't even know what that meant i'm <laughs> yeah, not exactly. sure i know what that means now
0: right so let's let's touch on the on the new album which is cheating the polygraph which came out last week uh, april 14th here in, in right. the us and yep uh I'm sure people know by now if they're listening to this but uh you know it's a big band jazz versions of of Porcupine Tree songs and uh, done really well really creatively done just surprises all over the CD and so um you know when did you get the idea to do this I guess would be the, the obvious question and what brought it about you know in at this time
1: Yeah about 5 years ago um I was invited to play at a Buddy Rich memorial concert and um, his daughter Kathy asked me if I would perform at it and she said, you know, obviously you can play any of Buddy Rich's famous big band charts uh, but it would be great fun if you could do a song from your band meaning Porcupine Tree and so I, I thought about that for a while and I thought, well, there isn't any songs that jump out that we could that strike me could be done they'd have to be severely rearranged and so i chose um you know the first song i did was uh, futile which was the the complete polar opposite of anything to do with jazz or big band this was real you know death metal math metal inspired by a a, a band called meshuga a swede a great swedish band
2: right
1: and um which steve wilson introduced me to their music uh, in about 2002 uh, so that seemed like the mo- <laughs> the least obvious possible song you could do. And I got together with my good friend and amazing arranger, Lawrence Cottle, and we sat down and worked out a plan of how we could play Futile uh, arranged for the sound of Big Band. Um, and then that led to another piece, which was Cheating the Polygraph itself, we took it in a different direction than we did with um, at least we thought it was a different direction than than we did with Futile and it was only after we did the second piece that I had the crazy idea that well you know what maybe we could make a whole album like this Right. but the first two songs took more than a year to do probably 18 months no kidding so I knew that this was going to be a really really long process um, but I like albums to have a cohesive theme to them and why not porcupine tree songs it wasn't meant to be a porcupine tree covers album it wasn't made for porcupine tree fans specifically I didn't do it to please them or or annoy them I really just made the album for myself as you should any album right I you know I could have picked more popular songs that might have attracted more porcupine tree fans Um, But the biggest mistake you could ever make is try to make an album that you think people are going to (laughs) like. You know, (laughs) even with Porcupine Tree, every album I was involved in, you know, from In Absentia right through to uh, The Incident, we would read lots of criticism of it from Porcupine Tree fans. Sure. There'd be plenty of criticism. People would hear one snippet of a single and say... If this is the future of Porcupine Tree, you know, count me out. This is absolutely terrible.
0: Well, there's there's nothing but evil things written on the internet, you know. That's just sort of... Well, that's my point. That's the you way know, it works.
1: All, there's only one way you can make an album and, because there's only one person you can guarantee to please, and that's yourself. Right. Or you don't release it, or you keep working on it until you are happy with it. I can tell you I'm 100% pleased with the way that uh, the record turned out and i really made it for me it you know and it was funded by me it cost me tens of thousands to to make this record i didn't have a plan thinking that i could make any money back or even approach a record company at that time it was just you know a bucket list thing to do
0: yeah you know what in in sort of listening to it Uh, you don't know what to expect when you hear it's gonna be big band versions of pork country songs or or how that might even be possible you know then but then when you (laughs) listen to it you see how it totally works and the arrangements are done in such a way that it is really cool have you heard a lot of that particularly from fans where they would say I didn't think I would like it but I heard it and it's amazing
1: I'm reading that all the time yeah I mean the words big band and jazz can scare off some people, right. it's all about genre labeling, which, you know, as I say in the record, it's something I don't like, music is such an amazing thing, you know, music can just, it can change your life, it really, some music will get into your soul, there's probably records that, you, that you've that you listened to, especially in, in, in the period of, you know, from like 14 years to 20 years old, sure that changed your life. It changed the way you felt about the world, it might have even changed your hairstyle, it might have changed the, the clothes that you wore, and it was just a soundtrack to your life. And music is amazing, and it's I, I do get discouraged by the negative things that can happen with genre labeling. Yeah. You know, a, gen- a genre is a fantastic excuse for someone to completely ignore your life's work. <laughs> you, right? that,
0: you should put that on a bumper sticker. I think that's
1: well <laughs> because when someone says, "Oh, Gavin's new album, it's big band," someone else might think, "Big band? Ah, oh, what? Glenn Miller? You're joking,
0: right?" No, I read totally. on the internet
1: the other day yeah. on a comment. Uh, someone said, "Man, this is like Porcupine Tree trying to play the theme tune of the Pink Panther." <laughs> now, this might be the only little bit of jazz this guy has ever heard right is the theme tune of the pink panther so he thinks that all jazz must sound like that
0: that's too you know you
1: you, you're really showing your naivety yeah if you think this is porcupine tree playing the pink panther (laughs) um so you know it shows up a lot of prejudice i think and it shows um really how open-minded you are right you know if uh, the labeling of jazz or big band scares some people off. I don't really think it sounds very big band that much myself, anyway. I don't think of music in those kind of parameters, you know.
0: Right. It's tough for a newer generation of, of listeners because I think Porcupine Tree and even yourself, you still have a, of a, a younger audience, uh, you know, um, that, uh, like you said, might not have listened to jazz ever. So, yeah. so how do you explain to them wh- what you might be getting into? You know, so then you run into the labeling, which is unfortunate, like you're
1: saying. Well, you run into labeling, or you run into comparisons. And when people hear something they're not familiar with, they're probably not going to like it because it doesn't register with something they recognise. Okay, if you put on an album and it sounds, you think, ah, oh, this is cr- like um, this is like a cross between Steely Dan meets Stevie Wonder. Meets weather reports Oh I like this because I like those three artists Now when you put on an album You don't recognize You know any background to it You don't recognize any other artist That you know You probably won't like it because your ear Doesn't latch on To something that's already Causing happy memories In your brain But really sometimes they are the most They're the albums that really change your life A lot of the albums that changed my life, I hadn't had any preconceived or or pre-structured ideas of before they came. You know, lists and favourite things, you know, seem important when you're a teenager. You know, you've got your top ten drummers, your top ten bands, your favourite football team, your favourite racing driver, and you're willing to fight to the death to protect that list. And when someone comes along and says no he's not the best drummer in the world this guy is you know you're ready to have a punch-up with him there and there <laughs> in the school playground that's right because those lists seem so important to you when you're young yeah. to have that you know top list in order of all your favorite things and you realize when you get older it's just nonsense it's just nonsense there, there aren't things that you should compare music is an art form it's not a competition right? If I ask you, who do you think is the best painter between, you know, Picasso, Rembrandt, and Michelangelo, well, you know, you could maybe tell me who you prefer, but there is no best painter. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? There is no best drummer. Well, there I mean, is no best music. It's only, the, it's only the stuff that really resonates with you. Is the mean. only time that you, you think this is fantastic. It's a personal experience, really.
0: Was that how you chose some of the songs, uh or you know, the ones that were your favorites or did you try, you know, fifty of them and saw what worked the best? How did, I, how did I that... tried
1: yeah, I tried quite a few other songs that I thought, oh, this is gonna work and then myself and Lawrence we couldn't find a good solution to it. But, you know, the songs I chose I chose them because A I liked them, B, I thought they had good rhythmical interest and good harmonic and melodic interest other songs that i thought were going to work well turned out to be more based upon atmosphere and vibe and that's good too you know that should be a part of music to create atmospheres to use music in a cinematic way to paint images in your mind that's all fantastic and some porcupine tree songs don't have a lot of chord changes and melody a lot of you know meat and potatoes to work with as raw material to reimagine them for let's say this this big band format
0: yeah i mean when i heard um particularly the 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 mix of sound of music with so called friend that that track especially the minute that guitar riff and sound of music comes in with the bass instead you, yeah. you said, well, that, that works uh, right, right away. That's a really cool idea and obvious and sounds really cool. And then there's other ones where are songs that uh, didn't even have drums, like Heart Attack and A Lay By, that you do something with that is a complete surprise, but also works. So yeah. it's interesting how that happened.
1: Yeah, and it was interesting to me. You know, uh, I mean, this was a really long, long project and we had lots of time to consider and discuss and rearrange and change things until we were happy that we felt this is now in the best state that you know we think it could it could move forward and then we'll go ahead and record the brass guys
0: so the drumming I, I, I want to get to that on on each song did you sort of uh, was it more challenging for you to play the songs this way did you have to forget how they were before sort of you know what I mean? Well,
1: not forget but you know obviously I know the originals very well and have played them many times so mm, all the songs began from a drum point of view I would uh, start improvising on the drums and I was thinking about certain songs to see if they could work and I was singing bass lines and melodies to myself as I was finding new rhythmical ideas and new rhythmical ways to navigate the songs and then when I felt I'd arrived at a tempo and a groove and a, and a direction from a drum point of view, I would record those drums, and then I would quite often pick up a microphone and sing the bass lines and the melody along mm. to give Lawrence an idea of how I imagined the bass line fitting this drum rhythm or how the melody could be brought in over this drum rhythm. And that's the starting point of all the songs were the drum tracks. Now... Once we started arranging... uh, Once Lawrence started arranging... You know... The melodies and the chords... I would go to his studio... And we would discuss... You know... At that point... It was all on keyboards... With fake brass sounds... Which sounded terrible... But... (laughs) Enough... Enough that we could hear... Where it was going... And then I would make... Some suggestions about... You know... How... I felt we could change this part... Or move into another song... And eventually we'd get to a point where he would give me, um, you know, the recordings of his MIDI keyboards, and I would bring them home and play along to them, and then I would say, "Okay, I think we need to cut this in half, or this bit needs to be twice as long. I think the whole thing could be slower. I think we should have a solo here. I think we could cut in a different song here. So that went backwards and forwards for months until we felt like we'd really found... You know the the best solution for the um, for the song.
0: What was the reasoning for uh, combining a lot of songs? Was that just uh, a sort of natural, or did it make it more interesting for you, or why did you do yeah, that? Yeah, I
1: mean, and a lot of them were completely incompatible. They were in different keys, sometimes they're in different time signatures, different tempos. You know, during let's say uh, the making of Hate Song, I got to a point where I was playing along with Lawrence's arrangements, and I. I just said to him, do you know what, I think we should just go into another song here.
2: Yeah.
1: And I've got a a really good idea for another song, uh, which is Halo. Now, unfortunately, it's nowhere near the tempo, it's nowhere near the key, but we know enough uh, arranging tricks, arranging techniques, that we could seamlessly move from one to another. I know Lawrence is genius enough in his arranging that it's not going to turn out to be a patchwork quilt you won't see any corners. You won't see any edges. You won't see the stitches. You won't see any nails.
0: <laughs> no, it's it, actually really subtle. All of a sudden, it's another song, and you didn't yeah. notice where the change happened. It's very you cool. don't. You're not
1: even aware that it's changed. Yeah. How did it change tempo? I, I, you know, it's all very clever in the way that it's it, it hides a lot of the the, the joins, and uh, that's what you get with good arrangers. You know you You find it's it really isn't you know a bolted onto b
2: right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it really does yeah. it's more like kind of they're liquid in a in a pot and you're just stirring it round and you can f- find amazing amazing things uh, no I just in some of the songs I think it only happens three or four times, I just suddenly imagined we could go into this piece
2: yeah
1: and quite often go back to the first piece as well find our way back home you know after going off into uh you know a secondary piece i mean there's sort of three pieces in heart attack in a lay-by but um yeah it's it's subtle right it's very subtle
0: totally um i'm curious if you've shown it to uh the other members steven or and yeah. uh, what, yeah, they, they... what they've said you know
1: well, over the last five years, you know, there were times where the guys would be around my house and I would say, hey, listen to the, la- the latest one I've done. And quite often I wouldn't tell them what song it was. I would wait to see their reaction and how long it would take. You know, a song like starting something, start of something beautiful or cheating the polygraph doesn't start off with something that recognizable. Right it eases its way in or you know the first song what happens now starts off with this kind of well it's like sort of Steve Reich or something and it's a long while before you start to think hang on what is this I'm starting to get a feeling about the chords and the melody and you know it took a while for them to recognize it
0: Did you call Stephen and say listen here's a project I'm going to do or did you just surprise him and say listen to this
1: well no because i'd done the first song futile five years ago and i played it to him when he was here i played it to all the band and they really liked it and when i did cheating the polygraph i played that to him and 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 I, i told him i was gonna do after cheating the polygraph the second song i realized it could be an album and i said i'm thinking of doing a whole album like this and he said great
0: that's very cool Getting back to, to touring and, and what you're doing, you're going to be touring with King Crimson now for like you, the next six months, you said. Is there a chance you might do a... I imagine it'd be very difficult to do this music on the road, but would there be maybe a one-off show or any plans for something like that?
1: Uh, for the big band stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got no plans at the moment. I mean, this is really, really difficult stuff. Yeah. And it would require about 17 or 18 guys to play it. And the amount of rehearsals we would need to do, uh, we'd still only end up with 46 minutes worth of music. Wouldn't be enough for a concert.
2: Right.
1: I think logistically, it would be a very difficult thing to do. Not impossible. I, I still think there's a you know there's a chance we could do a project with the right players, with the right band. You know that would be a, a, an amazing thing to do. But, you know, when you've got a band with 18 18 people in it, that's a very hard thing to organize. It's hard enough just organizing four people.
2: Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Trying to find a time when all four (laughs) people are available is one thing. Trying to get 18 guys together, you know, that would be another, that would be quite a tall order.
0: Yeah, very much. You know, speaking of uh, futile, that's... um Going back to when I discovered Porcupine Tree and, and, and your playing as well was at the same time I had only heard like one song and, and the band happened to be playing near my house a few hours away that same two weeks or something. And so yeah. I went to check out the band. It was at a small club here in Tampa, Florida many, many years ago. And, uh, and you debuted Futile, I think it was a new song you guys were working on. And oh, yeah. that right away was something I, I will always remember because it was so impressive.
1: That and, was
0: 2003, uh, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The In Absentia uh, uh, tour, I think, or maybe a little after that. And, yeah. And uh, yeah, since then, uh, I've been a huge fan and, and right away looked up the Who's This Drummer? and, and so it's it's definitely have, had, a, had an influence on, on me for sure. Great. So I appreciate right. that, man. And, and, and I think the album's great and I tell everybody about it. So I, I wish you all the success with it. Thank you. All right, man. All
1: right. Thanks for calling.
0: No problem. Thank you. Take it easy. Okay.
1: Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: I'd like to thank Gavin for the interview. We're going to play a track off Cheating the Polygraph. This is Sound of Music slash So-Called Friends. For more information and upcoming interviews, please check theprogreport.com, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter at The Progreport, or download our iTunes podcast. Thanks. <laughs>